After I read our passage, I'll pray for us. Let's begin by looking at this portion of God's word. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy and of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was, a, was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If, indeed, we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your spirit to guide us, to lead us, and to transform our hearts as we consider what it means to persevere in the Christian faith. We ask, God, that this would glorify you. We pray all these things in your wonderful Son's name, Jesus. Amen. I'm sure many of you have experienced what I'm about to talk about, but the feeling of getting to the end of a really hard task and not feeling like you had enough energy, support, or strength to make it through. Um, in my life, I've committed to being a lifelong learner. I, I love just... Con- Continually always wanted to read more books and new things. And so I went to college, and after that, I quickly went to uh, seminary, which is graduate school. And after graduate school, some of you guys know, I came here. I was chilling at, um, as a youth pastor here, and my wife and I have been praying. I said, you know, wife, I want to go get another master's degree. And she was kind of like, well, really? <laughs> after all that, like, craziness and hard work and hard money, you want another one? I said, Yes. So I applied for a school down in Portland, and I got accepted, and I did two of the classes, and I was, gonna, I was like, the, the compromise, I was going to be a lot slower, not be full-time or anything like that. And so I was driving down to Portland, you know, doing some classes, and I got to this class, and it was like, kind of like the research-focused class for the thesis that I had to write at the end of the program. So they're preparing me for like some 100-page paper that I have to write. And so this class was all about picking a topic and learning all the research methods. And so I paid for the class, $550. Right? And I started doing some of the work. And then I got really busy. I got really busy. And I think we had like a kid or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Which makes your life a little busy. And I was sitting there like, oh, man, I have like just this one extra paper to write but I don't want to do it. And I sat there just like, ah, do I, do, do I just 
drop out and like I'm kind of losing steam about this whole program thing and this class is kind of a dread and, and they kept saying this class is a small foretaste of the big paper that you'll be writing and I was like struggling with this little class and I was like how am I ever going to be able to write some 100 page you know thesis paper and I gave up I resigned I uh the shock in my parents face when they said like like do you get that money back since you dropped the course I said no I don't. I kind of just burned $550. I gave it to a good school anyways. Um, I'm sure some of you, in the same sense, maybe at the end of a really hard week, just kind of burdened. It's hard to get through. You're just kind of like trying to make it day by day to the weekend. I know also, too, in like end of semester in school, especially in college, you got finals and you're just kind of struggling. And and what you really need is just that endurance. An endurance to keep going. And I tell you, sometimes we feel this on a daily basis. Sometimes it's like a season. We're just in a really rough season, and it just kind of feels like you're wearing a, the metaphorical backpack of life, and usually it's pretty light and manageable, but some reason someone metaphorically put like 200 pounds worth of stuff in your backpack, and you are just carrying with you just so much extra weight and hardship and just thing after thing, and you're just like, I just want to give up. I just want to call it quits. I don't want to play this sport anymore. I don't want to practice piano. I don't want to do this thing anymore. And I say all this because this idea of endurance is, I think, normal to every human being. That God is infinite. He's infinite resource, infinite life, infinite energy, but we are not infinite, Right? We are very finite. We have only so much energy that we can exert. And I want to tie this idea of endurance to the Christian life. Um, I don't care for statistics so much. I find them fascinating at times. But sometimes statistics can be so depressing that you don't want to look at them. Have you ever felt that before? Apparently statistics say that in the room right now with you all, 60 to 70% of you, within just five years of you graduating high school, will not be walking with the Lord in a meaningful way. And no, that is not, statistics don't say this is true of this group, but just generally your age in America, kids who grow up in church, who go to youth group, about 60 to 70%, statistically, and I don't know how accurate those are, say that they will not have a meaningful walk with Christ after high school. That's a a sad statistic to read. And although no one's personal experience can give, uh, you know, validity to any statistic, I'll just tell you, in my own personal experience, I would say about half the friends who I grew up with going to church currently do not walk with Christ. And matter of fact, the older I get, I think the more that number goes up. And there's this real question that we have to answer. What is it... Or why is it that people who begin on this journey of following Jesus somehow lose the steam, feel the weight, and give up? Or so it seems. And what I want to talk to tonight is about this idea of persevering in the Christian faith. How do we persevere in the Christian faith? What does that look like? Is it really our job? Is it me just saying, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to pull up you know, the, the bootstraps, as it were, and I'm just going to get to, to work and, and fight? 
And so what we're going to see in, in Hebrews chapter 3, and even next week in Hebrews chapter 4, the author of Hebrews, who's preaching a sermon to people who are tempted to go back away from Christ. And he's going to talk a lot about what does it look like for us to persevere in Christ. So let me just be very, you know, at times I'm going to be quick. Sometimes I'll kind of spread some things out. But let me just give you my main point right off the bat. Here it is. Here's what Hebrews 3 is teaching us. That those who are in Christ will be those who end is in Christ. Let me say it one more time. Those who are in Christ will be those whose end is in Christ. Now that's really, really important to, to remember, okay? Those who are currently, right now, in Christ, they have a union with Christ, the Holy Spirit is in them, their end will be in Christ. But what I want to show us, really, in, this, in these 14 verses that we read, is three things that the author of Hebrews wants to teach us about persevering in the Christian faith. And I think, guys, let me just tell you, this has a lot for a lot of us here. I could spend three weeks probably on just this one little section, but I pray that you listen. Pray that you um, track with me. And so because I, I just really want us to, to lean in, let me just pray again for us before we jump into the passage. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear. God, I pray that you give us hearts that are open. God, I pray that we would heed the warning, that we would enter your rest, Lord. And I pray, God, that ultimately we would know that those who are in Christ, they will end in Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The three things that the author of Hebrews wants us to know about perseverance in the Christian faith are these. That one, those who belong persevere. Two, those who heed the warnings persevere. And thirdly, those who take great care persevere. So three buckets for you, okay? So verses one through six, let's start with our first point. Those who belong, comma, will persevere. Those who belong. So again, the author of Hebrews, he's on this whole kick of the whole book talking about Jesus is better. We just spent two chapters talking about how Jesus is better than the, starts with an A, a student. In the first two chapters of Hebrews, the author shows us that Jesus is better than the angels, right? Does that ring a bell? Hopefully, right? It's kind of discouraging right there, Right? So, but now he shifts topic a little bit and he starts talking about how Jesus is better than, and who do we read about in the first couple of verses of chapter three? Huh? All you have to do is look down and look. Moses, right? Do you see that in verse two? Just as Moses. And so again, we have to remember the context of who the author of Hebrews is talking to. He is talking to, name of the book is what? Hebrews, right? Talking to Jews, and this is their tendency. This is their temptation, that they, that they accepted Christ, but now they're tempted to go back into their Judaism because they really thought highly of angels. They thought really highly of the sacrificial system. They thought really highly of people like Moses. And so they're kind of like, Jesus is cool, but I'm tempted to go back over here. Imagine if, if the author of Hebrews wrote us a book. I think this is what it would look like. Hey, you went to camp or you went to a mission trip 
and you accepted Jesus, and you, and you really liked Jesus, but you kind of got bored with him, and you just kind of went back to being isolated on your phone, being really studious, only caring about sports and your friends, and putting Jesus on the back burner. I think that that's kind of what he's trying to do. And then what he would try to do is try to show us how Jesus is far greater than any of those things. And can I just tell you, it's a really easy argument to make why Jesus is better than social media or sports or academic success. Because Jesus brings rest in life. And so what he does in the first couple of verses here is he talks about how Moses was a great servant. Now what I love about the other Hebrews here is if he knows that his audience is really enthralled with Moses, do you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, hey, remember time, that, that time Moses, he killed an Egyptian? This is the dude you want? Hey, remember that time Moses kind of struck the rock out of anger? You want Moses? Hey, remember, remember Moses didn't even enter the promised land? But, he, but do you know what he does? He actually highlights Moses' accomplishments. Because let's be honest, other than Jesus, Moses was probably the most faithful leader in the entire Bible. I mean, he saw the Lord face to face. Kind of an expression, but the backside of him, right? Moses did so much. And so what he does here is he kind of, I love this because he's a true preacher. He's showing sensitivity to his context. And here's what he's saying. He's like, listen, Moses was a great ruler of the house. But you know what's even greater than the ruler of the house? the one who made the house. And again, he's just trying to show his, his audience Jesus is much better. And as any good preacher would do, when he makes his propositional truth, here's what he does. He gives an application. He gives an application specific to his audience, and therefore, because they were Christians, we also are lent into this application. And here's what he comes to in verse 6. Let's look down. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Christ is better. And look what he says here. And we are his house. Now listen very careful to the language here. Does Moses say, and we can become his house? Or we will one day, if we're lucky, become his house? Or kick into the past, we were his house. No, what does he say? And we are his house. Do you know what that language is? It's the language of belonging. It's the language of belonging. Matter of fact, look back up at verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, some translations may have holy brothers and sisters. Look what it says there. You who what? Share. Share. Again, not those who might those who could, this could be yours if I dangle in front of you. Those who share in a what? In a heavenly calling. I just It's so important to know these little details because what the author of Hebrews is trying to show us, that they already belong. You are in this heavenly calling. You are part of the house. But then we read something that should disturb us a little bit. It should wrestle, uh, ruffle our feathers a little bit. Look what he says right after in verse 6. And we are his house. What does he say? What's that little word? 
if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And I says, hey, here's what it kind of sounds like he's saying here. We have belonging in, the God, in God's house. We have this heavenly calling only if you do what? Hold fast. Doesn't that sound like I have to do something then? <clears throat> Is the only way for me to be made right with God, to, be ha- to become a son and daughter of God, to one day have a heavenly dwelling, is it, it relies on me if I do it? <clears throat> I often tell people, man, if the Lord says, hey, Aaron, here's the football, you carry it, I will fumble the ball every time. I will drop the ball. If ministry success, if ministry anything relied on the cleverness of Aaron or Aaron's communication or Aaron anything, it will fail. It seems as if the author of Hebrews is saying perseverance is on you. If you want to be a Christian, you better persevere to the end. And can I tell you, a lot of people have read this verse, have read other passages in Hebrews, and that is what they've come to believe. But I have much better news for you. Much better news for you. Because let me just tell you guys this really quick. The gospel never relies on you. You believing in the gospel doesn't even rely on you. I mean, I I love this song we just sang, right? I mean, how, how do we read the song that we just sang? And then come to think that it's all on us. Christ is the sure and steady anchor. So let me explain a little bit what the author of Hebrews is trying to say to us when he says, if we hold fast. One, here's what he's saying. This is not speaking of how to be saved or even how to remain being saved. Rather, it means this. Perseverance in faithfulness to Christ is the proof of real faith. You want to know how someone is actually truly a Christian? They persevere. That's the principle. The only real evidence of someone who is truly in Christ, who belongs to this heavenly calling, who belongs to the house of God, is this. They persevere. It is so tempting, students, it is so tempting to base your relationship with God based on the good things that you do. It is so tempting to look at the assurance of your salvation. I Listen, guys, when I was in high school... I, one day, I would be all excited about Jesus, be praising Jesus. I'm like, I, I just know your mind. The next day, I would sin. And the day after that, I'm like, am I even a Christian? Am I even a Christian? I just was so constantly plagued with some days feeling really great. With other days, I don't even know if I'm like, is God even going to accept me? Because of what I just did? And I, I think if we're being honest with someone in this room, where you kind of think like, I don't, I, I think I'm a Christian. 
But how do I really have assurance? And what we're tempted to do is we're tempted to look at our list of obedience. We're tempted to say, well, well, I, I don't do this anymore, and I, and I haven't maybe looked at these things uh, I know I shouldn't have in a while, and, and I, I've been coming to youth group more, and, and so I, I think because I do these things, I can be assured that I really know Christ. And although, yes, we want to look for a fruitful life, let me just tell you, the greatest proof that you have is that you still follow Christ. Every single one of you in this room are tempted to put your pride to boast in how good of a Christian you look like. And so ultimately, here's the principle I think that we can draw out of this verse. When someone does depart from the faith, when someone does turn their back on the gospel, when someone throws again and again their deconversion story up on social media, we can only conclude that that person never believed. And so what, we, what, what the author of Hebrews is trying to show us here is that staying with the Lord five years out of high school, 15 years out of high school, the rest of your life, is the difference between possession and profession. Let me tell you something. Those who truly belong to Christ, they will end in Christ. They will be held fast. Because the gospel does not rely on us. But those who fall away, those who turn their back on Christ, ultimately show themselves to have never believed. Hey guys, let me just tell you really quick. There are some of you probably... <coughs> who are in two of these camps, where you've just professed Christ. You might have come to the intellectual assent that, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between saying believe in Jesus and actually belonging to him. Belonging to him in the most intimate ways where you are united to him by faith. That because of this faith in Christ, you are now indwelt with the Spirit. And there is a, an intimacy. There is a joy of knowing Christ for himself. And the Bible is very simple. Only God can give faith. But, but when we come to God, when we trust that it is only in Christ where I can be forgiven and right with God, and I turn from my sins, and I repent from all the things I used to do, and I follow Christ, we will be saved. But many, many people simply make a profession and never actually enter into possession. Those who belong to Christ will persevere. And our perseverance shows us to actually belong to Jesus. Second point is this. Those who heed the warnings, comma, will persevere. And the author of Hebrews quotes Psalm 95. And in Psalm 95, he's quoting the story of the Israelites who had to wander around into the wilderness, right? And here's what's so amazing about this, this story, and, and we're kind of, in a way, talking about it in Big Church in Exodus, is that the Israelites, they saw God do so many great things. They saw the, the plagues, they walked through the Red Sea, they had manna, they had a pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, they, they saw the, the mountain thunder, God provided so many incredible things. But you know what they still did? They murmured. They complained against God. 
And you guys, uh, ho- hopefully you all know the story, but if you don't, but guess what? They were led out of Egypt, and God had a great land for them, but because they disobeyed God, because they had evil and unbelieving hearts, God said, nah, you guys are going to walk around aimlessly in this wilderness, and you're all going to die, and the next generation will enter the rest. And God punished them. And so in essence, here's our story. It's a, in essence, like Solomon, like, hey, you came to youth group. You sang the songs. You tasted in the heavenly, you know, the goodness of God. You were with God's people. But you still didn't believe. Let me tell you something really quick. The, the reason why the people didn't enter the promised land was not because they murmured. It was because in their murmuring, here's what they were really saying. I do not trust God to be a God who loves me and will take care of me. And let me just make a quick point of observation, guys. All of the sin that you do in your life, the sin itself doesn't bother God as much as it is the heart of unbelief that led you to that sin. So many things I want to say, but I'm try to summarize it. There's this guy named Martin Luther, and he's known in theology, started the Protestant Reformation. And you know, I was one time reading a book, and the man said in this book, People in our generation will never fully understand Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther went to bed every single night not knowing if he'd wake up. Because he lived in a world where there's no antibiotics, <coughs> in a world where there's death all around him. And we live in a world in which we automatically, typically always assume that we will wake up the next day. And it is so hard for us to read warning passages because we never actually think it's dangerous imminent. But this warning passage is for us to consider. It is, the author of Hebrews is trying to say, you, don't you realize what you should be thinking about? If you are on the wrong side of Christ, you will not enter God's rest. Look at verse 11. I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now in scripture, rest always symbolizes God's blessing, his safety, his security, and his salvation. And so John Piper says this. Just, just, just listen. He says this. Oh, How many professing Christians want the mercy of forgiveness so they won't go to hell but have hard hearts towards the Lord when it comes to daily fellowship with him? We are people who oftentimes have just as rebellious hearts as the the Israelites did. We want God's security, but we don't truly fully trust him. And so the whole book of Hebrews, let me just read for you just a few of the warning passages we see in Hebrews. Hebrews 2.1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. Hebrews 3.6. We are his house if we hold our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Hebrews 3.14. Same chapter. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance. Hebrews 6. 
And we desire that each of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Same chapter, therefore do not throw away your confidence. Hebrews 12.1, therefore since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin. You know, he's just constantly warning, warning, warning. Trust in Christ. Have your confidence in him. Heed the warnings. And so if I can just make a quick application of this one point, because I got to go on quickly. One, today is the day of salvation. Christians have always felt that the call of the gospel is an urgent call. Is it called that I must today be made right with God, to trust in him? I must today go and share my faith with others. For anyone to hear God's voice is a result in an act of mercy. And so thirdly, last point, those who, t- who take great care, comma, will persevere. So verse 12, he says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. (coughs) Take care. Sometimes we say it to people, right? Hey, take care. Hope you're doing good. It's an expression of endearment, right? Well, just imagine what he's trying to communicate to us. Take care. Like, hey, it's almost like someone puts a big warning sign right in front of you. Warning. Be aware. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. So let me just say two things really quick. One, when he says evil here, here's what I think he's meaning. There's a few things, but this is what I think. If you are caught in a sin that is just constantly coming and going in your life. There's a sin that you just really struggle with and and you have it kind of secret, isolated in your life. The author of Hebrews says, hey, I'm fearful for you. I'm fearful that you may fall away from the true and living God. But also he says here, an unbelieving heart. And if you're someone here where you are just routinely apathetic and bored with God, that your relationship with Jesus really only exists maybe sometimes when you come to youth group or church, that throughout the week you, you and God are just distance, light years away, take heed. Take great care lest you fall away from the living God and not enter his rest. These are real warnings. But to say it again, those who are in Christ will end in Christ. You cannot lose your salvation. But the way that we persevere is by belonging to him in faith, by heeding the warnings, by taking great care, by constantly examining my life. Right now, maybe before I even go on another word, you just in your own life, You go to Christ, you pray to him, you ask him, God, reveal to me, are there any evil, unbelieving things in my heart? 
And I love, again, as a good preacher, he gives us a practical application. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hard by the, by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what he's saying, guys. Listen, this is why we need Christian community. Now, I know that a lot of you, you're friends. You guys hang out. You know, you get pictures of each other, going to dances and Instagrams. That's great. I love that. But let me just tell you something. The purpose of Christian community in a youth group is not just so that you can get your friendship out. It is, it, the purpose of Christian community is that I may have people who will exhort me to continue in my belief of Christ. And so one, we need friends, we need people who will exhort us. You are going the wrong way. Take great care. Heed the warnings. Belong to Christ. But we also need to be the kind of friends who are calling others, hey, I see you going down a path. Take great care, my friend. We need people who actually love us to say, hey, allegiance to Christ is better than the allegiance that you're currently giving in your life and in your heart. And so in verse 14, he, he ends this little section by saying this, for we have come to share in Christ. Again, the, the language of ownership. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Here's the final word I'll give you. This is a warning and a challenge to accept Christ, not just intellectually, but with your whole heart. Christ offers you more pleasures than this world will ever offer you. Christ offers you a rest that nothing that you will ever find can offer you. Christ offers you his very life. Christ offers you resurrection. Christ offers you a, a heavenly calling, a citizenship into his family, his kingdom. And we do not continue in this Christian life by just trying really hard. We don't continue in our perseverance by just reading more Bible verses always, saying more prayers. But as we just sing in the song, we fix our eyes on Christ. We look to the cross. Because do you know what we see at the cross? We see a love that is above all loves. We see the justice and the love of God meet together so that we can enter into the rest of God. This is a great warning. Many people claim to know Christ, but know very little of his love. And so the way that we persevere is by belonging to him, by heeding the warnings, persevering to the end in a way that we take great care. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel, that in it there is salvation. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to persevere. Help us to be mindful of any sinful or unbelieving way in our hearts. And help, be, help us to be friends, God, who point us to the author and the founder of our faith, Jesus. We pray this in his wonderful name. Amen.